Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 69 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels from Sandusky, Ohio, and I'm glad that you're listening. In this episode, I'm going to take a look at some of the events of the last week to 10 days, some good news, some interesting news, and some news that, quite frankly, is a little sad. Actually, it's very sad. Before we dive into the episode, though, I wanted to let you know that uh, the Storf page for the uh, podcast is up and running on Redbubble. If you'd like to check that out, if you want to get any merch to help to uh, support the podcast, anything that uh, is purchased there, those funds are going to go right back into the podcast to update equipment, to get new software, that sort of thing, to make the podcast even better than it is now, which, depending upon your estimation... We might need to have a lot of people buy a lot of things in to make it better. But that's up on the Redbubble site. And again, remember, if you order something on there, it's printed, manufactured, produced right there in Australia or in the U.S. And they'll deliver it right to you there. want to dive into the news of this week. And uh, some of it I thought was rather interesting. As the uh, the former coach of the Roos there, Reese Shaw, has found himself a new position. He's the new uh, development coach for the Suns. And this was a rather interesting series of events because as you guys know he stepped away from from north at the end of the season was a couple of years left on his contract and again these are you know there's 18 jobs in this competition that people crave that they want that they would love to have and he had one of those 18 and he walked away from it a job that he was very likely still going to have going into 2021 and probably 2022 as they were a rebuilding club. But he stepped away and now is uh, back with Stuart Dew up with, on the Gold Coast working as a development coach. And it's interesting because the Suns got rid of five of their coaches last year. And this opened up a spot, I guess, from what I've been able to, to find. This was all cost-cutting. They were trying to you know eliminate some of the money they were spending, as a lot of clubs did this year after the... Uh, after COVID-19. But if you're a Ruse supporter, are you a little upset that, that Reshaw has sought out and has actually found another position so quickly? If you, if you look at this, it's, it's interesting because, you know, there was a lot of allusion to the job being too stressful for him and him having to leave for personal reasons, that type of thing. From what I had gathered, there was a lot of perception that the job was taking its toll on him. Now, is being the development coach less stressful? Probably. Probably. But uh, I think if I'm a Ruse supporter, I'm a little disappointed that, that maybe he found a position so quickly. And I could be wrong on that, but I'd love to hear what you think. And uh, moving on to the next story of the... Uh, the week, and this is one that I think is kind of the uh, the elephant in the room. Uh, you know, COVID is still ravaging here in the United States, although there's a lot of people debating on how much of it's COVID, how much of it's something else. We're not going to get into that. You know, all the debate discussion about comorbidities and, oh, well, they already had this issue or they had this issue. And suppose, you know, we're not going to delve into that because I'm, I'm staying away from politics. It's not... Uh, it's not the purpose for, for me being here. But it impacted sports tremendously. It's impacting sports here right now. Uh, in about seven hours, the Cleveland Browns, the football team that I follow here in, in the U.S., is going to be playing a, a playoff game against Pittsburgh, and their head coach 
will not be at the game because he tested positive. A couple of players will not be there because they had tested positive. And this has been a, a ritualistic thing almost for the Browns in recent weeks where they've had several players who have tested positive, uh, in many cases more so than other clubs. Not sure what's going on with that. But as you know, the AFLW season, which is getting ready to start back up here in just a few weeks, was cut short last year due to COVID. I think they got six rounds worth of games in. They did not get to the finals, that type of thing. But uh, it's uh, it's interesting because you know the, the comp grew last year. They added a couple more clubs, getting up to where 14 of the 18 men's clubs are represented in, in the women's competition. Now, there's hope to bring clubs in with Hawthorne, Port Adelaide, Sydney, with Essendon in the, uh, in the near future. But uh, listen to a, uh, a podcast here recently, and I'll, I've got a link to it in the show notes, where the uh, senior coach from the Saints, uh, Peta Searle, and I think I'm pronouncing the, right, the name correctly there, said that, that they should continue... Uh, limiting the number of clubs that come into the comp for another season or two. Because you had, you know, several new clubs that came in last year. This was their first go-around in playing at the most senior level. And then that season was cut short. And if they bring in four new clubs this next year, you're going to have, you know, many players at, somewhat of a disadvantage because uh, in Victoria, pretty much there wasn't any local footy played at all last year. Now there was in, uh, from what I've been gathering, there was in West Australia and South Australia and New South Wales for a time as well. But in Victoria, there wasn't really any happening at all. So she's arguing that uh, they may want to hold on to the 14 clubs through the 2022 season, at least to allow some of the younger players who could possibly be playing at the most senior level in the AFLW to develop, to become competitive, to be somebody who can contribute at that highest level. And I don't know what you think about that, but it's a, uh, it's kind of a, uh, an interesting thought. And I, and I know that, you know, the supporters in Hawthorne, the supporters in Essendon port and the, you know, the Swans supporters would love to have their, their colors represented in the AFLW, but for the longevity of the game, is it better to grow the game with a stronger set of players before you have it grow too quickly to where you have a, uh, a substandard product, if you will, on the field? Now, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen with that. I, I haven't heard any decision that's being made, but it, uh, she made a compelling argument about this, and I... Uh, I think it would be uh, probably not a bad idea to hold off and allow the experience factor to grow a little bit more. Now, if I'm not mistaken, they did scrap the divisions in the AFLW this year, so they're going to have just a regular ladder. So it's going to be 1 through 14. I think that's terrific that they're going to be doing that. I think that's a, uh, a big help as opposed to what we saw back in 2019 where one of the divisions had four of the five teams that had very good records, and then the other division had one team that, that had a positive record, if you will. I think that was the only one that was above 500. So, you know, the game is growing, 
with the young ladies. I, I saw a video clip, which I'm going to be getting into in a future episode, where it had said that at the time that the FLW was getting started, that I believe that there were, they said there were like six local competitions for, for younger girls. And then within the span of like two years, it had grown to over 60. So I, I think that exponential growth, and this is something that I've talked about in previous episodes, that growth is going to be something that is going to almost become a self-fulfilling prophecy with regards to the the viability of the game on the women's side, the the skill set, if you will, improving. And, you know, I look forward to seeing what it looks like this year, of course, and when they've had, you know, time to train and get back out there and hopefully play an entire season. But, you know, it remains to be seen what's going to what's going to happen with this. And, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe holding off the four clubs for another couple of years, maybe not such a bad idea. Now, I. Uh, yeah, I did want to talk about one of the other stories that has broken and it's actually broken three times during the summer months there in Australia. And that's where. Three of the senior coaches. Have split up with their spouse started off with Nathan Buckley with Collingwood and he and his wife going their separate ways moved on you know Damien Hardwick a much bigger story there where things were supposedly going on in the hub I'm not going to dig into that there's uh there are stories that are out there you can find those read those it's a little bit more uh I don't want to say salacious because that's not the right word to use but it's a little bit more invasive than uh than I feel comfortable talking about here. And the most recent one now is uh Simon Goodwin of Melbourne and his wife are going their separate way. And it's that's interesting because from what I saw in the uh article on perthnow.com.au he was quoted and this was when he was uh hired to be the senior coach for the D's. He said that uh, quote we'd been together a long time since we were 19. She'd supported me all through the challenges in my life. We live a we live in a really selfish industry in a lot of ways, especially as a player and also now as a coach. It's such a selfish industry that she's had to sustain a lot, and she's pulled me into line when she's needed to. I've needed that a few times, that for sure. So that's that's Goodwin's own words there, talking about how his wife had been the the anchor, if you will, in their relationship to help keep him grounded during his playing days and during his times as a senior coach. It's it's really sad to see what is happening in this situation. And I don't know, and again, it's none of my business. I'm never going to find out. I'm not going to try to find out. I don't know if this is hub-related or, or what. The fact that there was, you know, a separation there. And again, quite frankly, I don't know if, if Mrs. Goodwin or Mrs. Buckley were in the hubs last year. I have no idea. You know, there are some things that I ran across that about uh, Damo that, uh, like I said, are a little more intrusive than I want to get. Okay. I don't want to dig any more deeply into this. It's, it's, uh, you know, like I said, other than to wonder if they're uh, things that were exacerbated by the fact that they were in the hubs. Um, yeah, I did see an, uh, an article that was in the Daily Mail website. I'm not going to link to it. You can go find it if you want to. It was, it became kind of a bit of a, uh, a tawdry web, if you will. And, and 
if that's your thing, by all means, you can find that there, okay? You can go dig that article up on your own. I'm not going to dig into that. Uh, but it's a little sad to see it going on. And, you know, if it is hub-related, then there's just, you know, more victims of, of COVID right there, quite frankly. Now, I, I figure I should mention at this point in time that uh, my wife and I just celebrated our 25th anniversary right before Christmas. Love you, Katie. And, of course, she's not going to hear this because she doesn't listen to the podcast. In fact, I do need to make one correction from the last episode. I mentioned that uh, nobody in my family listens to the podcast. And well, I might have mentioned that my mom listens uh, to an episode from time to time. But I'd said that that was it, that nobody else listens. And I got a note in Messenger not long after that episode was published from my brother-in-law, who reminded me I've listened to all of them. And, and he's right. He has. Uh <laughs> So, uh, David, I wanted to apologize formally uh, on my oversight there. You know, you're right. You do listen. And I, I, I kind of know that he listens because of where he lives. And it shows up in the stats. And I don't think there are a lot of people that live near him that are, that are listening to the podcast. So, David, I do appreciate you tuning in. And uh, thanks a bunch. So there's my, my, my apology to him about that. Now, the last thing I wanted to get into in this episode... And this is not a terribly long episode today. And it's on a much more somber note. And it's the reason for the title of this week's episode. The Dockers lost somebody near and dear to them this week with the passing of Millie Lucas. Millie was 14 and she's she battled a brain tumor for the better part of the last five years. Now, she was a huge Docker supporter and became very close with the club back in 2016, as I believe, a, if my math is correct, as a nine-year-old when she was first diagnosed with this, this tumor, one that it sounded like some doctors did not feel comfortable operating on or attempting to operate on. But a, a, another physician, another neurosurgeon decided, you know what? I'm going to do this, and, and he worked with her, and there's, there's, I've linked to the articles about this in the show notes, and, you know, what he attempted to do was heroic, and the battle that this young lady put on was absolutely heroic as well. You know, like I said, she was a huge supporter. She got involved with the club back in 2016. In fact, in 2019, she got the opportunity to do the coin toss uh, during a game with Nat Fife, and from what I have read she became very close with him. And it, from everything I've seen, he, he seems like a genuinely nice guy. And this helps in many ways to, for me to reinforce what I said way back in episode two of the podcast where I talked about how I think that the, uh, the people involved in, in, in footy are so much more approachable than, than are the, uh, the people who are involved in the major sports here in the United States, where, you know, I argued, I believe in that episode that, that they've kind of priced themselves out of the marketplace of the common man. You know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna find, you know, yourself running into LeBron James at the grocery store, you know, checking out the price for, you know, a package of pork chops or something of that nature. It's not, it's not going to happen. Somebody's taking care of that for him. You're probably not going to run across him at the coffee shop. Somebody's buying that coffee for him. 
Now, maybe you would, but, you know, that's not likely to happen. But uh, she fought hard, and this surgeon did everything that, that he was able to do to help her life be as comfortable as possible, to help her fight for, for five years. And uh, she passed away earlier this week. And in honor and remembrance, the, the club wore black armbands this week to pay tribute to this courageous young lady. And, uh, Millie, the, the footy world mourns the, the, your passing, and you're going to always be in the hearts and minds of uh, Docker supporters and the Docker's players and the people involved in the organization. It's a very sad, sad thing to, to be uh, mentioning there. Now, this, this story, as I was reading about this, it paralleled in a way something was going on here in right here in the state of Ohio where I live and it reminded me and it also reminded me something that happened 13 years ago that I'm going to get into now last week the Cleveland Browns team that I support uh they hosted a special fan uh, during their their final regular season game and this is a game that they had to win to get into the playoffs and they did win because they're playing again tonight now this is a uh a young man by the name of Tom Seipel. And he's been a Browns fan his entire life. From what I've read about him, he was born in 1981, uh, grew up in Columbus, the capital city, about two hours away from Cleveland. And Columbus is kind of the cutoff point between Cleveland and Cincinnati. So you have Bengals fans and Browns fans there. But he's been battling cancer for a number of years. And his prognosis, as described in some of the news stories, is, is terminal. And uh, at this point in time, several states around the country are actually allowing some fans in the stands. Now, they're keeping them separate. Uh, I believe it's around a 15% capacity. I know I did some announcing for football here in the fall and for soccer here in the fall, and we were allowing about 15% of the seats to be filled. So they had about 12,000, I believe, people in the stands for this last game. But what was interesting is that, you know, his health is beginning to fail. Um, and he's, em- he, I, I'm not saying he's embraced it, he's accepted it from what the articles that I've read about him say. And uh, his family reached out to the Browns about seeing if they could get him tickets to go to the Steelers game. Because, you know, there are there's a waiting list that's years long to be, to get season tickets. And now... They're only, you know, selling 15% of the regular tickets, so the season ticket people are certainly up at the, uh, at the top end in terms of priority. His family reached out to the Browns organization to see if there was any way that he could get to the game, and they, t- they took action. And uh, Baker Mayfield, the quarterback for the Browns, uh, his wife hosted uh, Tom Sleipel and his family at the game this past weekend, and it was just – it was – just beautiful to see his reaction, his happiness, um, the joy on his face after the game where he met with and took photos with Baker Mayfield. And it just, it's, uh, and this, this gentleman that, that I'm referencing here is, and I've, I've linked to the story in there, is, is not just a, a treasure to the state of Ohio. He's an international treasure. He's somebody who worked as a missionary in South Korea he is somebody who worked as a missionary for a long time in the country of Nicaragua. And uh, like I said, it's a story that's, that's well worth reading. And, and um, he shared, Tom Seipel shared that, you know, something that I'm going to paraphrase the quote here. Uh, 
but he referenced that uh, that he was he was ready to go watch the games with two very famous Browns players who have passed away. So, Tom, I know that you know Eric Turner and Otto Graham will save you a seat for when you are ready. Okay, so God bless you and your family. Thanks for being an inspiration. Now the last little bit here, and this is something that's going back all the way to 2007. And uh, Millie's story reminded me of a story that hit a little closer to home for me, at least on the internet. Now, many of you spend a lot of time, if you're listening to podcasts about sports, you're probably spending times in discussion groups online, might be on Twitter, maybe it's on Reddit, or you know, if you're a footy fan, if you're listening to this, you're obviously a footy fan, or you're my mom, or my brother-in-law. Uh, <laughs> um, you might be on Big Footy. But there's a, a group here in the States that I've been part of for almost 14 years. It'll be 14 years next month. And I spent a lot of time talking to other Browns fans and fans of other teams and that sort of thing uh, on this, in this forum, if you will. And I've got a link to it in the uh, show notes. So if you're, if you're an American sports fan, it's one you might want to check out. Um, I've even started a footy page on there that I've now got a, a handful of people who are footy fans that are contributing on that one as well. But back in 2007, 2008, one of the frequent posters that were on this website, and it's somebody that we would find out later on, was named Joe. And I don't know Joe's last name. I never got the opportunity to meet Joe. But we all knew him as his screen name, if you will, Crackburn. And uh, he mentioned and it alluded to that he'd been having some health issues. Now, just like any other forum, for all intents and purposes, it was anonymous, Okay, we don't know who the other people are. We see their names. We know, oh, this is what this person usually thinks about this issue. So we kind of know where they're coming from. But we've never actually met these people in person before. I've, I've traded emails with one of the people in the forum because they were, they were a teacher at one time. And we were, you know, I'm a teacher and we were discussing some, some different teaching type things. But, you know, we've actually got, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of Browns fans on there. And uh, you know, even some of them from New Zealand. So we have a couple that are from New Zealand. But he, you know, Crackburn kept continuing posting on the site for several more months. But we soon, we learned very soon that uh, what he was battling was a very aggressive case of stage four pancreatic cancer. And this was a, this was a gentleman who I, if I remember correctly, was in his 30s. So he was a young man. He was a young man. And, uh, you know, he was, a, he was posting while he was able to, but ultimately... His illness began to become more aggressive, and he ultimately ended up in hospice care. And at this point in time, his wife began reaching out online and kind of giving us little progress updates. And again, none of us had ever met him in person, okay? But we realized that, that there was something that we needed to do. And those of us in our forum, in our group, the Browns group, and ultimately then people from the other 31 teams around the NFL, supporters of the other teams, we began to mobilize. And th through weeks of consistent and persistent, I might, I might add, communication with the NFL, we, we finally, and more importantly with the Browns, we actually were able to arrange a visit to Crackburn from his favorite player at that point in time. And this is a, a, was a young man at the time. He retired two years ago. A uh, young man by the name of Joe Thomas. 
and he is arguably one of the best offensive tackles to ever play the game. He will be in the Hall of Fame in about three years. No doubt about that. And we were able to set up a, a meeting where Joe Thomas went and visited Crackburn and his family in hospice. None of us were there. We never saw pictures. We never spoke to Mr. Thomas about the visit afterwards. But, but damn, it felt good to help bring some comfort to someone who was in such a difficult position. And this was a group of people that never have seen each other before. We, we spoke only online in this discussion group and through little instant messages on there. And to this day, to this day, almost 13 years after Crackburn passed away, he's somebody that we still talk about. We have a thread that's dedicated to him that's at the top of our forum that people will put little posts in every once in a while remembering him about a certain event, something that he had talked about years ago that maybe we're starting to see come true, that type of thing. And uh, I've put links to the current what's called the Football's Future Forum, which is if you're something you wanted to sign up for, it's free. You can absolutely do that if you're a sports fan of stuff here in the U.S. Um, but if you're, you know, if you're interested in reading up on it, the, the, the Crackburn forum, the, the Crackburn thread is there. The original one, yeah, because we moved over to a new platform about three years ago. Uh, the original platform is archived. It's still out there, so you can still read things. I actually went back and read through the 30-some pages of discussion just this past week. It's still there. I've linked to that in the show notes as well if you wanted to go read that. It's very fascinating to see how a group of people mobilized to try to make somebody's life a little bit better. Okay? Now, I know this was not footy-related, but I just wanted to say thanks to all of the people from the Football's Future Forum. I wanted to thank Joe Thomas. I wanted to thank the Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield for what they did for Tom Seipel last week. I wanted to thank Nat Fife and the Fremantle Dockers for taking the time to provide comfort to a little girl who was facing something so very, very difficult. And Mr. and Mrs. Lucas, I think I can safely say that I speak for every footy fan in the United States when I say that we're so very, very sorry for the loss of your courageous daughter. She's not going to be forgotten. She is part of Frio history forever. Ladies and gentlemen, don't forget, if you'd like to sign up for the mailing list so you, so you get each new episode delivered to you first, there's a link to a short, short, short form in the show notes. If you'd like to sign up, I'd love to add you to the list. Also, make sure to check out the links to the podcast storefront, which you will also find in the show notes. And if you've got an idea for a show topic or someone that you think will be a great guest, please feel free to drop me a DM on Twitter or shoot me an email. You can leave me a message on a yank on the footy on Facebook as well. You can reach me at a yank on the footy at gmail.com. Remember, all the episodes can be found at a yank on the footy.podbean.com or Apple or Google Play or any of the other podcast hosting sites. It's also on my YouTube channel as well. Just search for my name, Craig Wessels. And now that you've listened, ladies and gentlemen, one, I would love for you to share the episode with your friends and family. Just copy that link. Put it out on your social media. That would be fantastic. Would love to see uh, more and more people checking out the show. But I'd also love it if you'd give me a review on Apple Podcasts or whichever site you're listening on. 
lets me know what I need to work on, what I'm doing well, and it lets the podcast hosts know what you think of the show as well. And again, don't forget, you can reach me at yankonthefooty at gmail.com, at yank underscore on on Twitter, and on Facebook and Instagram at yankonthefooty. Again, if you haven't done so yet, by all means, please consider signing up for the the, uh, email list so I can get the uh, episode out to you as soon as it comes out. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for listening, because while we're fans, we love our teams. Deep down, we're fans of a game that we all love, and that's footy. Again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much. I ask that you copy and paste a link to the episode in your different social media accounts. That would be fantastic. Share it with your friends and family. And ladies and gentlemen, may your dribble kick never hit the post. Until next time, I'll catch you later. This has been episode number 69 of A Yank on the Footy. Don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on on Twitter or to yankonthefooty at gmail.com. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram at yankonthefooty. Again, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening, and please consider sharing the podcast with your friends and family. Goodbye.